Good morning, everyone. It is the 5th of July, 2020, and I am officially handing over all my dad joke responsibilities to BK because he's earned it. He's done more. He's gone further than any man could possibly have done. So uh, welcome, BK. You are now the official dad joke master at White Flag Calvary. Well done. Um, today I'm really excited. We're going to dive deep. Today's one of those deep dives where we go really in depth into one specific, uh, important topic. Uh, we're still going verse by verse through the book of Mark, but we're stopping right in verse 24 and we're going to spend the entire day, uh, looking at what this verse means because it is shocking and it is crazy, uh, unbelievable, uh, and Honestly, we, we can only really even understand this uh, topic that we're going to talk today if the Holy Spirit teaches us how to understand it and, and what that looks like. So, uh, so for that, uh, we, need to, we need to engage with God. We need to come to him and, uh, and ask him to be our spiritual teacher today. Show us um, in our heart and in our spirit uh, what uh, kind of things he has promised us and given us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. And I pray that you would teach all of us. I pray that our hearts would be open to hear and receive the truth and the promises and um, the love that you would, you would promise to us today. I pray you'd help us to receive it somehow to understand it, um, even though it's different than anything we've ever experienced and it's deeper and it's scary. Uh, Lord, I pray that you, you would draw us with your love to a place that is scary. I'm reminded of the song that we sing, um, Oceans, where we sing, Spirit, Lead Me, um, Where My Faith Is Without Borders. God, we, I pray that our faith would be increased today. We, we need to trust you. This world has so many offers and temptations and problems. And God, I pray that we would refuse to tackle those things or <coughs> approach those things without faith in you. I pray that we would choose to live by faith in you. And not faith in ourselves, not faith in any sort of philosophy or strategy outside of prayer and faith. You will change the world. You will save. You will deliver. And Lord, we wait upon you. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, again, we are in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And the sermon today is called Praying with Faith, just a really simple title, How to Pray with Faith. And we're going to actually start, before I read our text, we're going to start way back in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 4. And I'm going to read this. It says, but he said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David. This prayer of dedication, this is at the dedication of the temple, 
in Jerusalem. And Solomon is the guy who is praying this prayer. And um, I want us to look really carefully at how this prayer is constructed. It was a very, very um, important time in Israel's history. But just looking carefully at this prayer, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. So right there you have worship and thanks to God. That's, that's what's in Solomon's heart right now. He is just so, he's connected with the Lord. He's worshiping him and he's giving thanks to him. Then it says, who has fulfilled with his hands. So there we have God giving what was asked for or what he promised. God gave what they had prayed for. And then number three, it says, uh, what he spoke to my by his mouth, with with his mouth to my father, David. So this is after God promised the thing. So you have worship and thanks. Because God gave what he asked for. After he had promised. So how did this work out practically? Well, God came to David and God said, David, you're going to be the king. And, and David um, believed this promise. And he worshiped and praised God, and and God made him the king. How about that? God made a promise. It was fulfilled. Pretty cool. And David was pretty happy about that. So after time, David said, I want to build a house for God. Uh, Not just a tent or a tabernacle, but I want a, a temple, a real big, fancy, nice place for God to be worshiped. And God said, no. But God promised... He said no, but he responded also with a promise. He said, no, you can't build me a house. You've killed too many people. Um, But he promised that David's son would build him a house. And what happened? David believed that promise of God. And he worshiped and praised God. And God did it all through his son, Solomon. So now... After all those years of them planning the temple and David got things ready, he knew he couldn't build it, but he he got things ready for his son Solomon. And once his son Solomon became the king, Solomon, uh, it was completed during his life, and he stands up to pray this prayer. And Solomon says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David. So Solomon is teaching us through this prayer what a life of faith in God looks like. Number one, God makes a promise. Number two, man believes that promise. Number three, God fulfills that promise. Number four, man praises God for his faithfulness. That's the design that God loves. That's his plan. That's his will. That's his way that he wants us to live. He makes a promise. We believe the promise. He fulfills the promise. We praise him for his faithfulness and his uh, uh, glory. Is this how it works in your life? Do we live by his promises? Do we live by his word? It's a thrilling, exciting, and scary, terrifying way to live. (sighs) It starts with his word and it ends with you praising God for keeping his word. It's like a big circle. And in the middle is 
prayer. And that's what we're going to learn about today. That's what we're going to focus on today is that life of prayer uh, bookend by his word and his promises and our praise for him fulfilling his word and his promises. So now we get to our text in, in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus blows your mind when he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is a crazy promise. It's so crazy that most of us don't or can't believe that it's true. We try to limit and excuse what Jesus meant by these things. But that's not how to handle God's word. We don't determine what it probably means or what makes sense to us. If I was Jesus, I would never make this promise because people are uh, unreliable. And that's a very kind way to say it. Maybe the kids, uh, for the kids. <laughs> but that's not how to handle this promise, to disregard it or to minimize it. We need to let this promise come into our heart, no matter how uncomfortable and stretching it might be, and this promise will expand our hearts to what God wants us to be. Our hearts need this promise, and I don't know why. But I know that Jesus speaks these words so I know that I must need them. For some reason, I need them. This promise that God will answer uh, whatever I pray is made to fill our hearts with his love and his power. That's the intention. He wants to fill us with something that was not there before. This is a promise that will force our hearts to, to get bigger if we let them like a, like a seed, like a plant to grow in our hearts, it will force our hearts bigger with his love and his faithfulness. Like, uh, um, I know at BK's house, they had this tree one time that was growing right next to their driveway and the roots of that tree just destroyed their, their driveway because the tree, it, it grows very slowly, but it's very powerful. And you probably have had this in uh, seen this situation many times where the tree can destroy concrete it can it can ruin foundations of houses because that tree can grow and that is what this promise is like in our hearts our hearts are like concrete immovable in just thinking we know how the world works and how god is and this promise if we let it grow in our heart if we believe it it will destroy the limitations and bounds that we thought were just solid concrete in our lives. There's only one thing that Jesus requires, that Jesus asks of us when it comes to this promise. In this text, it says, believe. That is the condition for Jesus answering and giving your prayers. We have to believe that Jesus will 
answer you. Believe that you have received is what it says. And he will do the good thing that was promised. God is going to secure what his word promises every time. And we are required to believe that. So do you believe that God will do what he has promised you? Do you even know what God has promised you? Have you asked him to give you what he has promised you? See, this type of prayer is God's idea. And and we tend to just minimize it and we tend to, to not want to listen to this teaching. This is the instruction of Jesus on how we are to pray. Believe that you've received it and you will receive it. Martin, Martin Luther has a great quote. It says, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. To have prayed well is to have studied well. Have you studied God's word to see what he has promised you? Do you search the scriptures morning by morning, looking for what God has promised you, turning that back into prayer so that when he answers those prayers, you can turn it right back to praise, worship, and thanksgiving. This is the relationship God has set up and desires for us. God gave us the Bible filled with thousands of promises and his spirit can lead you to one every day at least. But do we care? Do we invest the time to know what our father wants us to have, wants to give us? Do we care? And then do we believe it? Do we believe enough to ask for it and stand upon the promise that he gives morning by morning in his word to us. Again, warning. You probably will not be able to understand this teaching with your mind. It it must be learned by the spirit. It is inscribed in our hearts as he uh, writes these things in our hearts. Uh, And maybe the mind will follow later. I know my mind Um, recoils at the thought that Jesus says he will answer all my prayers. Um, Not because I don't think Jesus is good, but I think that I am dumb. I think that I am not um, worthy of that. And his spirit is convincing me of the truth of his word. So let's stop real quick and we're going to say a prayer if anyone's with me with this like uncomfortableness about this 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 promise we're going to we're going to pray a prayer right now just to give that to the lord lord we want to surrender to what your word says and the truth jesus of your what comes out your mouth we want to stand upon that even if it doesn't make sense even if it's hard even if it it challenges and breaks our heart in ways that um that we don't understand lord we want to trust you even when it's impossible. We want to believe in your faithfulness, even when it would be a supernatural miracle for that to happen. Lord, help us. We humble ourselves before you. We need your help and we trust you, but help us to trust you more. Amen. So we're going to break down this simple prayer 
even deeper and, and look at every phrase and find out what it means for us. The first thing he says is, whatever things. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things. Other translations say, all things whatsoever. What does that mean? It means there's no limits on the thing that is asked for. Our human mind instantly has a problem here. This cannot be true. But if it's not true, then why did Jesus use the strongest words possible to say it? He, he, he could have said most things, some things, things, any of those options would have softened it a little, but he goes all in and he says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you've received them and you will have them. And it's not like this is the only time Jesus said this. We've already looked at Mark 9, 23, where Jesus said, if you believe all things are possible to him who believes, again, all things. Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Why, Jesus? Why? Our job isn't to determine if Jesus is saying something true. It's to believe that he is truth himself. He wouldn't say something that's not true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if he says it, it is the truth. It's more true than anything you experience or anything you think is the most rock-solid truth that you know in this world that you live by. What Jesus says is higher, and it's more true. So these things are true. They're crazy, but they are true. So, so this is the point. If we have faith in God, he will answer us. Why? God wants to do it this way. He loves to, to let things um, be only by faith. That, that's the only way that they can happen, is by faith. And the, the reason he does it that way is because your faith doesn't even come from you. It's faith is a work of God's spirit in you. It's causing you to believe his word and his promises. God is working that faith in you. You can't even say, well, I just have faith uh, because I, I'm that good. I'm that strong. No, faith isn't from us. But he has made us his believing disciples. He has authored and finished your faith. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So he's authored it. He's in the process of refining it. He planted it in you. The reason why you trust God at all is because Jesus is doing it in your life. So anytime you trust in him, anytime you have faith, he gets the credit and he gets the glory 
And that's why everything must be by faith. And that's why he wants us to pray in faith. He will complete your faith. Your faith in him is your living connection with him, his life being written on your heart and flowing out of your life. It's a lot like the illustration of a human body. He is the head and we are the body. We are inseparably connected to Jesus in this way. As the body is surrendered to the will of the head, you know, my hand just doesn't go crazy. Times I'm slap me. It doesn't happen that way. I, the head is in control. So we are in submission and surrender to the will of Jesus. That's how it's designed. So the power and the will of the head supply to all of the members of the body everything that they need. And the head loves the body. The only requirement for this promise to be realized is that we are his believing disciples. But what does that mean? That we trust him and we believe his words. It means that we are wholly surrendered and submitted to his will. But that happens before all this prayer happens. Being surrendered and submitted to his will. This type of surrender takes time And God's own spiritual power and hand working it and accomplishing it in our life. Growing in a life of time spent together with Jesus through trials and through difficulties and in his word. That's how we grow to surrender to his will and to learn his will. The the simple teaching here is that nothing is impossible for the surrendered and believing disciple. Because it's not you that's doing it or promising it. You are just praying in the middle of those two things. God makes the promise. You pray. God fulfills it. You give thanks. God makes a promise. You pray. God fulfills it. You praise and give thanks. That's how this is designed to work. Believing that God is able and willing and and will do anything for us is is a seed that will grow to expand our hearts to know his love and power. So let's get down to the really practical uh, illustration of how this works, okay? Uh, You're going to start praying for a a Lambo, you know, a Lamborghini, right? Because you're like, oh, yeah, I love this teaching. I'm going to start praying for a Lamborghini. Nope. That is not going to be answered. But if you're his believing disciple, even if you pray that prayer, you're going to stop praying that prayer relatively soon because the Holy Spirit will begin convicting your heart that that is selfish and carnal and not God's will. The Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of revealing God's will to you, and he will as we pray. Okay, Let's pray for, I'm going to pray for millions of dollars then. Okay. How, how's that going to work? What is it for? As you pray, you got to talk to the God about it. And you got to say, well, I want millions of dollars because I'm, um, I just never want to worry about money again. And I'm always stressed out about money. So I want a million dollars. So I never have to really trust God. Oh, wait a second. That's, that's really fleshly. And 
you know what? Maybe I'm not going to pray that for that anymore. Okay? It's through prayer that God's Spirit speaks to us in that way. Okay, but George Mueller prayed for millions of dollars to build an orphanage and to take care of over 10,000 orphans in England in the 1800s. And George Mueller did not doubt. He prayed every time that they needed money and God provided and answered every single prayer. And what did George Mueller say? He said, first step is to, is to have no will of your own, but have everything in surrender to his will. Then look around at the world around you and pray for what you need to do God's will. God is going to put his will in your heart. And the believing disciple comes to God first, surrendered, and said, I have no will of my own. I'm going to pray for your kingdom and your will to be done. And that's where this confidence comes from. You can ask for millions of dollars. And God has no problem with that. For the believing disciple, for the surrendered disciple. A disciple is someone who has no will of their own, but they are submitted and surrendered to the will of their teacher, their master, as we are to Jesus. The disciple, a, a disciple of Jesus, will have a heart like Jesus that longs for the Jesus, things Jesus longs for, thinks the way Jesus thinks because we've been spending time with Jesus and you become like your friends. So follow him and ask away. Let the Spirit speak to you as you keep asking. He will correct you if there's anything selfish or not God's will in your asking. It's, man, it's easy. He's not angry with you for asking the wrong thing. Ask away. And the Spirit will guide you, correct you, and train you in the process as you are his disciple. The next phrase that we're going to look at in depth is whatever things you ask when you pray. So obviously the asking here is, is, is a part of prayer and prayer. This is all experienced by prayer. It's in prayer that the light of God's eyes judges our requests. We learn his will in prayer. Our motives are judged in prayer. You can't hide your motives when you're praying. God sees everything. And in prayer, we find out if we're asking in Jesus' name or we're asking for our own kingdom and our own glory. The Spirit uses our time of prayer to speak to us and to urge our hearts and to write His will upon our hearts. It's like the water that plants need to grow, this time of prayer that we spend with Jesus. It's in prayer that the Spirit shows us if we're asking for the right thing. In prayer, we become aware of how little faith we have and how easy we want to give up and how weak our faith is. And it's in prayer that our faith is strengthened and it grows. In prayer, we see the reality and the glory and the purity of our faith as we persevere as we keep praying for what we're asking for. But when we pray, Jesus teaches us 
how to believe. If we don't pray, we will never learn to believe. Our faith is not going to grow stronger if we don't pray. These lessons can only be learned at the foot of the throne of grace. It's there that we must come to know and to ask and then to receive what was asked. There is no shortcuts. We have to pray. We have to wait upon him. So all things, whatever things you ask when you pray, that was the when you pray part. Now the next phrase that we learn about is believe that you have received them. Believe that you receive them. Jesus wants us to get very specific answers to our prayers. He wants us to receive what we pray for. You know, sometimes we just pray uh, about everything and then trust God to sort it out and give, and to give what he, what he thinks is best. And that's not a bad way to pray. And that's a good way to generally live our lives and pray. But, but Jesus is taking us deeper. He wants us to go deeper and have a deeper disciple master relationship. And this deeper relationship is where we pray for what we want. And we, we, we have this crazy idea that Jesus is putting his desires in our hearts. And so we're praying for those with faith that Jesus has given those to us as a promise. And so if he's given them to us, we can pray them and expect that he is going to answer us. This is not really faith that God is Santa Claus to give us whatever we want. This is faith that God is an indwelling Holy Spirit that can write his will on our hearts. Faith in that, trusting his will in that. Jesus is taking his disciples, us, deeper by this promise He does not want robots with no brain and no heart. He wants a bride that is so in love with him and has spent time with him to be his disciple that we're we're pretty confident that we know his heart, that, that his heart and will is being written on our hearts. And so when we pray, it's not my will be done, it's your will be done. I'm praying for this, I'm asking this because I'm confident it's your will. Why? Because the word of God revealed this to me. The word of God showed this to me, and I'm going to have confidence that you are speaking to me. Jesus wants this kind of loving response. He desires it. He hungers for it and thirsts for it. Love that takes him at his word and believes believes that he lives in us and, and shares his spirit with us. Do we believe that? That you have his Holy Spirit. And when we believe that that this is his work, we can step forward and ask and he will give. He'll, He'll provide an answer or a powerful miracle, whatever. He has all power. He can do it all. So what do we ask for? Very practically, tell me then, what do I need to ask for? Well, what do you need? What do others need? Jesus wants to provide for our needs through prayer. If you have a need, God has worked out your life so that need would arise today so that you would pray today. 
so that he could provide for you. That's why we have all the needs. That's why we go through the trials. That's why it's working out the way your life has worked out the way it's worked out. Your needs. What do you need? What do do your friends need? What do your enemies need? What do your uh, people at church need? Pray about those needs. Ask God to supply for those needs. He has made promises in his word to supply for our needs. Secondly, What should we ask for? What do you want? Not just what you need. What do you want? Are you surrendered to his will? As you are surrendered to his will, you will have, you will sense deep desires that flow from his spirit, not yours. How can you tell the difference? Same way you tell the difference between any two spirits. One spirit desires rebellion and selfish ambition, and the other spirit desires love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, and any other good thing that we know comes from the Holy Spirit. Judge your desires. If your desire is not about you, but it's about God and his glory and his kingdom, then you know that that's a desire that was put in your heart by the Holy Spirit so Ask, ask, turn it back to the Lord and say, I'm asking you to do this good thing that you've put in my heart because of your love and faithfulness and give thanks, believing that he will do the thing that you've asked. The Holy Spirit will communicate if you're off base. God's will is not that hard to figure out. You know, some people are like, well, you know, I'm not going to breathe unless God tells me specifically in his word to breathe. Um, no, just breathe. God's already revealed. He wants you to breathe. He's made your, your life. You need breath. So breathe. You don't have to ask for air to breathe. It's, it's about God's kingdom. God has revealed what his kingdom needs and, and, and what his kingdom is about. Evangelism, praying for lost souls, praying for hearts to be softened. These things we know are his will. But we are really slow to ask for them a lot of times. And our confidence is very low sometimes that he will even answer his own will. It's his will that all men are saved. We don't pray because it's really our confidence and our faith is weak. Well, oh man, this is so confusing. I just don't understand. How does this work? Let me tell you this. If you're a Christian and you're hearing the sound of my voice, you already know how this works. You already know. Because it's the same way that you got saved. When you got saved, you received an answer to prayer when you prayed after you believed God's promise. So you believe so God made a promise that he would save you if you call upon him and believe that Jesus was the sacrifice for your sins on the cross. Okay? So you believe that. He makes a promise, you believe it, then you engage with that promise by asking for it to become real in your life. God, forgive me of my sins. And you received the answer to that prayer. The answer was, yes, you are forgiven. That's how this works. That's how faith works. Receiving the answer to any prayer is exactly like receiving forgiveness for your sins. 
It's an act of faith. It's the reward of faith. You heard a promise, you took it, you believed it, then you asked in faith for it, and it's yours. Done. There was never feelings that got you saved. It was never feelings. It was never worthiness that got you saved. And it wasn't praying lots of prayers that got you saved. It was completely separate and apart from all those things. It was by faith alone that we were saved. And so is prayer of faith to be our constant link to the supplying head of Jesus. He's the head of the body and and believing prayers are constant link to that head. He wants to supply everything, not just forgiveness, but everything. Our sanctification, if you have any problem in your life that you're sinning, come to the Lord and say, Jesus, it's not your will that I do this. I want your will and you've promised to save me and deliver from me from these things and I ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. And he will answer that prayer. He will. We abide in him, then we pray. Then we ask for what we need and what we want, believe it's yours, and it will be. It doesn't matter how you feel, and it doesn't matter how worthy you are, it is by faith the answers to prayer come. Well, do I need to pray longer then? Do I need to keep asking if I haven't received? How does that work? Well, two things. Sometimes the answer comes very quickly. He's ready to give it at once, like Forgiveness of sins. Boom. You ask, it's done. The answer always comes immediately in that situation. As soon as we pray, the Spirit puts it upon our hearts to thank Him and praise Him for the answer already given, and it is so. And those are great times. But the deeper way, dare I say the better way, is when we have to go through times where our faith is tried and strengthened and refined through persevering in believing faithful prayer. God knows the right time and his timing is not what we pray for first. But the thing, the answer to his promise will happen in his time. And the more we pray about that, actually convinces us more of his faithfulness. Waiting for God isn't a bad thing for our faith. In fact, it is very good for our faith. It refines our faith and purifies our faith. So praise God that he makes us wait for answers as we grow in him. The quickness of God answering you does not determine how good of a Christian you are. wait upon him. God is at work in the roots of our faith, making the roots strong. So keep praying, keep believing, persevere until you get the gift that you've been promised, whether it's deliverance from a sin or you want someone saved or any other kingdom work that God puts in your heart that you're praying for. Keep praying. Let God's spirit refine and, and, and give you 
the desires the way that he wants them and keep praying, keep praying, keep asking. Last thing to remember, Jesus tells us this because he lived it and he knew it was true. He knew how to do this. He lived a life of surrender to God's will and all his prayers were answered like what we studied last week, the fig tree. I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I've prayed so little and believed this promise so little in my life. But Jesus is training me and you to believe. He is the author and finisher of my faith and yours also. And he will teach us to do this, to live this way. He will provide times when we go through great trials and have great needs. And he will also provide great spiritual power and love and forgiveness when we go through those things. He may take us through things where we need great amounts of, of money or we need great doors to be opened. That was never for you to worry about or to stress about. Every single one of those situations is for you to learn that he is the one we can cast all our cares upon for he cares for us and he knew this thing would come and he brought it into your life so that you would trust him in prayer and ask him for what only he can do. All of these are, um, all these trials and great needs that we have get us to start praying. And in that prayer time, Jesus teaches us to pray believing prayers. I want to go back now to that prayer that we prayed, that, or that, that we looked at at the beginning of um, our study from Second Chronicles and, and uh, Solomon's prayer. And I think this is the prayer that we will pray at the end of our life. When God answers us and he gives us what we've asked for, this is what you will sound like. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has fulfilled with his hand what he spoke with his mouth. To my father, David. This is a life of faith in God. God makes a promise. Man believes that promise. God fulfills the promise. And man praises God for his faithfulness. Let's pray. I have a prayer I'm going to read today. Blessed Lord, you came from the Father to show us all his love and all the treasures of blessing that love is waiting to bestow. Lord, you have this day again flung the gates so wide open and given us such promises as to our liberty in prayer that we must blush that our poor hearts have so little taken it in. It has been too large for us to believe. Lord, we now look up to you to teach us to take and keep and use this precious word of yours. Whatever things you ask, believe that you have received. Blessed Jesus, 
It is yourself in whom our faith must be rooted if it is to grow strong. Your work has freed us totally from the power of sin and opened the way to the heavenly father. Your love is ever longing to bring us into full fellowship of your glory and power. Your spirit is ever drawing us upward into a life of perfect faith and confidence. We are assured that in your teaching, we shall learn to pray the prayer of faith. You will train us to pray so that we believe that we receive. To believe that we really have what we ask. Lord, teach me so to know and to trust and to love you. So to live and abide in you that all my prayers rise up and come before God in you and that my soul may have in you the assurance that I am heard. Amen. I want to hear what you're praying for, if you would share. I want to know and I want to join with you in prayer. All of our church's ministry and power flows only from prayer. No wisdom, no work, no nothing else. It is just prayer. He accomplishes more for us through prayer than we could ever accomplish in our own strength. And we're committed to not work in our own strength anymore. God bless you. And I hope this week blows your mind with God's answers to your prayer. Amen.